Hello and welcome to Generation Church of Independence, Kentucky with our pastor, David Mills. Like and follow us on Facebook at Generations Church where we live stream every Sunday morning. Now join in with us as we share in God's Word and we hope you enjoy. created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. You remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. All right. Love technology, right? Uh, we are, yes, thankful. 11 o'clock service, daylight savings time. Uh, this is the weekend that my wife decided, which is great. She does every two years, goes and is with her college friends for the weekend. And so, whoo, I'm ready for a nap this afternoon. Um, running home between services to grab the kids and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, uh, I love this video. We're going to show it every week that we're in the series. We're in the middle of a series of Daniel, five weeks in the Sunday uh, in March, five Sundays in the month of March. And uh, we are studying the book of Daniel. And I, I feel, I mean, God's word is always moving and living and active. It says it's sharper than a two-edged sword that pierces our heart. I believe that about Scripture, and uh, I believe the book of Daniel is even uh, for such a time as this for our, for our world, for our society. Um, we live in a time uh, where we're timid about our faith, um, and Daniel teaches us that we are not to be timid about our faith, that what are we afraid of? Uh, like the video says, what, what are we afraid of? If God is for us, who can be against us? That the same God that we're going to talk about in the book of Daniel is the same God who is available to each of us today. What are we afraid of? And so if you were here last week, just to recap, we went in Daniel chapter 1. Um, we talked about how King Nebuchadnezzar, we've got some long words to work through in the book of Daniel. Um, he was the king of Babylon, and they had uh, conquered the, uh, the country of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, had toppled them over. And he had ordered uh, his little minions, I said, to go and find the best young boys 
and uh, the, the, the Israelites, go find the best young boys and bring them here. And we're going to put them through a three-year process of indoctrinating them to the Babylon ways so that we can raise them up. And then they can work for us. I want the best. I want the brightest. And I want them. And we talk about Daniel and his buddies, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. Four of them, those were four of them. Historians will not argue that most of those boys were 12 to 15 years old. So we're looking at junior high, 7th, 8th, ninth grade year, maybe 10th. Um, switch back. All right. Okay. Pause. I love. Check one. I love technology. All right. There we go. And so um, those, those boys, 12 to 15 years old, some of you have raised a junior high boys, and uh, some of you have not. And it's a lot of fun when you get there. I can tell you that. A lot of things happening when you're in junior high. We all remember junior high, right? But that's the age they were. And in chapter 1, we talked about how uh, Daniel would not, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not, uh, they were respectful to the king of Babylon, but they would not, um, there were times where they could stand out for their faith, and there was times where it was okay just to not die on that hill. And uh, that they discerned when the time was to step up for their faith. They, they discerned when the time was just to take a step back. And uh, because of that, the king of Babylon noticed them and put them into authority. And so we move to chapter 2, which we're not staying there today. But I want to give you a little bit of uh, a background of what chapter 2 is. And then we'll focus on chapter 3. Chapter 2, the king, again, Nebuchadnezzar, is starting to have these dreams and usually, in these days, the king had advisors, he had sorcerers, he had magicians, um, all of it, to try to figure out, if he would have a dream and couldn't figure it out, then they would be the ones to tell him, O oh, king, this is what your dream means, interpret your dream. And nobody could figure out this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar was having in chapter 2. And so, he was getting frustrated with all the people that he was paying to interpret his dreams, and they couldn't interpret it, they're starting to get nervous, and he says... If you can't interpret it, I'm just going to wipe all of you out, and then I'll find somebody else to interpret my dreams. Well, it filtered down to Daniel, and Daniel prayed, God, we don't want everybody wiped out. That means that we're probably going to get wiped out too, and so would you help me interpret what King Nebuchadnezzar's dream is all about? And so God gives him wisdom and gives him a vision and says, this is what he's dreaming about, and this is what it means. And so Daniel goes back to the king and says, I, I, God has given me what your dream is about, and here is what it means. And basically, just in a nutshell, chapter 2, the king is dreaming about having a huge statue. He dreams of a huge statue. And the huge statue uh, is made out of four different types of metal and, and symbolizing four different types of kingdoms. And the king of Babylon, the, the kingdom of Babylon, is the head of this big statue that he's dreaming about. Well, in the middle of his dream, this huge rock, meteor, asteroid, I don't know, but a big rock comes and destroys this statue that he's dreaming about. And he's, what in the world does this all mean? And Daniel says, this is what it means. There's going to be the, the, these four different types of metal, and this big statue represents four kingdoms that come after each other. And they're all wicked, and they're all full of rage, and they're killing people, and they're all man-made kingdoms. And the statue is killed over by this rock, and it's a mountain of rubble. And he says, but there is a kingdom coming that is not built by man's hands. And it's a kingdom that will bring comfort. It was a king, it's a kingdom that will bring peace and justice, and it will not be a kingdom of this world. And Daniel tells him, this is what your dream means. And the king is very happy with that. 
And so we find ourselves in chapter 3. Obviously, King Nebuchadnezzar did not really get the hint because King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 decides to build an idol to himself. And you'll, you'll find out in chapter 3 that this king is pretty, at this point in chapter 3, is pretty full of himself, which some of us can be that way sometimes too. So, um, But if you have your Bibles or your devices, this is where we're going to focus on, Daniel chapter 3. Many of you are familiar with this story. If you've grown up in the church, you're familiar with the story. You probably learned about it uh, from a wee little lad or VBS. But even if you haven't grown up in the church, you've probably heard a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is where we find this story in Daniel chapter 3. If you don't have your device or Bible, the scripture will be behind me on the screen. Chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a goad, goad, a goad no, no, uh, I'm Eastern Kentucky again, a gold statue, 90, I can say that because I am from Eastern Kentucky people, don't get offended, okay? They say goad instead of gold, all right? I'm allowed. I'm a bona fide hillbilly, Okay made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide, and it set up in plain, on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial uh, uh, officials to come to dedicate of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people Whatever their race or nation, because you realize Babylon had started conquering kingdoms, and so there was many different people of many different nationalities, many different races. They all heard it. So the sound of the musical instrument, all the pe people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear all of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom, have put, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods. And do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they, were in when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. And when you hear the sound of the musical instruments... But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Starting to get pretty arrogant, isn't he? You'll find out he's really arrogant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face 
became distorted with rage. Has your face ever became distorted with rage? Anybody? Ask your children. They've probably seen it, right? Or your grandchildren or your parents. He commanded that the furnace, he was so mad, distorted with rage, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servant of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servant who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into a heap of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then, king, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. What a great story. I mean, probably one of my favorites in the Old Testament. I, I love the faith of these three boys, basically, these teenagers that had just incredible faith. And they teach us a few important lessons. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to talk about the lessons that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talk about in Old Testament, what it teaches us. But then we're going to kind of shift a little bit, focus on some scripture in the New Testament about how it applies to our life today. Here's a few things that sticks out, at least to me, in this story, and maybe to you. Things that the the Hebrew children teach us. First is this, true faith in God, I mean true faith in God will always obey God instead of following the world. That we, a, a true faith, a relationship that is growing and thriving in your relationship with God, a true faith will always follow after God's heart versus listening to what the world tells us is right for us. And believe me, there are a lot of voices in the world that are telling you what they think is right for you. Maybe even family members or friends telling what they think is right for you. What the Hebrew children teach us is that there is, there is power, there is conviction, and there is a true faith in all of us that when we're in a relationship with God and growing in that relationship, that we, would, we can always trust what God teaches us and obey God versus what the world teaches us. We can always trust God and his promises. 
The other thing that the Hebrew children point out that I, I think is, it's probably obvious, but it's worth stating, that faith believes, a, a, a true faith in God will always believe in spite of what it sees. I mean, things were not looking very good for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, they could see with their own eyes. Not only after they did not bow down, they were taken to the king. They could see, the, the scripture says, his face was distorted with rage. So they could see. And then they see five or seven times hotter. They, they saw what was in front of them. But they chose to believe even when they couldn't see the outcome. Faith chooses to believe in spite of what it sees. And some of you are going through situations where it does not look good. The outcome does not look good. You don't know how God is going to show up. You don't know if God is showing up. And faith in God will allow us to believe in what he says, even when we can't see what the future holds. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who their faith was in, even despite what they were seeing. So Daniel 17, 18 says, they say this, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty, majesty. but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. We believe that our God can save us. We've heard stories from our ancestors. We've heard how he's part of the Red Sea. We've heard how he's shown up and how he's uh, led the Israelites out of Egypt. And he's made a way where there seemed to be no way. We know all of that. We know what our God can do. And we believe he can do it for us. We don't know how he's going to do it. We believe he's going to do it. But even if he doesn't, we choose to believe. But even if he doesn't show up the way that we want him to show up, and to spare our lives, we're still not going to bow down to your idols. You've heard it said many times from this platform, from this person. And there's no greater lesson than what the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have lived out is this. Obedience is always our responsibility. The outcome is always God's responsibility. Our job is to obey. When, we, when God is calling us to do something and we have the conviction that we know what is right and what is due, even when we don't know what the outcome will be, our job is to obey. God's job is the outcome. Man, that takes the pressure off. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to decide whether I want to do something because God's calling me because I don't know how the, the end is going to turn out. Our job is to obey. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew we are going to obey no matter what. The outcome, we trust the Lord our God. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. We will do what's right before God, and we will trust him with the results. They had no idea what would happen. I mean, they were staring death right in the face. I mean, the king ordered the furnace even seven times hotter. Even his best soldiers, Scripture says, his best soldiers tied them up. His most fit soldiers, the best ones he had, couldn't even throw them into the fire without dying themselves. What does that story have to do with us? 
1 Peter 1.7 says this. These trials, which if you agree with me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going through a pretty particular trial, which we will go through as well. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Meaning when we go through trials, we're going to find out whether we really have a faith and a relationship with God or whether we just are, it just kind of goes with the ebb and flow. If things are going well, then God's good. If it's not, then I don't really trust him with my life. Meaning these trials will show you if your faith is genuine or not. When we go through circumstances, you're going to find out whether your faith is genuine or not. It is being tested, listen, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. There's There's this beautiful imagery of And in Scripture, we'll get to that in a minute, there's another spot in Scripture about being in the fire but it not consuming us, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's this beautiful imagery of the fire not consuming us, but the fire does refine us. The refiner's fire, it says many times, and I started to do a little bit of research. Of It talks about gold. If, if your faith is more precious than mere gold, but that, the, the imagery is you're being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. What does fire do to gold? It takes away all the impurities. And if you have pure gold, uh, people that deal in, in, in gold will say it's what? 24 karat gold is 99.9% pure gold. And what happens? When gold starts to, to be heated at a, a high enough temperature, it starts to melt. It starts to become soft. It starts to become moldable. And the, the refiner can do what it wants to with the gold. And it can make your earrings, your rings, whatever you have. And Scripture's reminding us today that when we are in the hands of the refiner and he puts us through trials, which symbolizes this fire, that God wants us to be moldable, that we're going through this refining process. Even though the fire will not consume us, It will allow the refiner to refine what he does best and do what he does best and to shape and mold us into who he wants us to be. And so it is with our faith. When you go through trials, Scripture is saying the refiner is refining who he wants you to be. The fire will not consume you, but it will change who God wants you to be and your faith will be made stronger. You can't, get a lot, you can't guarantee a lot of things in life, but one thing I can assure you is of this. You can guarantee your faith will be tested. Scripture says it. In this life, you will have trouble. Even the refiner's fire, you will be tested. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. You and I are going to be tested. And sometimes we do a disservice to people by saying, you know, give your heart to God and everything else will just kind of fall into place and it'll be perfect and you won't have any other problems or troubles. And man, I'm just here to tell you today, if you follow fast after the heart of God, guess what? You're going to be tested. There's going to be trials. There's going to be circumstances that are out of your control. And you're either going to have the attitude of, God, I believe you can do it, and I want you to show up this way, but even if you don't show up the way that I'm praying and the, thing, the way that I think you can, even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. 
I believe you can deliver me from, uh, uh, I, can, I believe you can show up in my marriage. I believe you can show up in my, my, my relationships with my family. I believe you can show up in my job situation. I believe you can show up in my finances. I believe you can help me. But even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. I believe that you can heal me of this sickness and this disease that I'm going through. But even if you don't, I'm going to trust you. You can guarantee your faith will be tested. About a year and a half ago, we received a call of a pretty drastic emergency in our family. Uh, a few weeks ahead of that call, Jody's dad, my father-in-law, had fallen off a ladder and had landed just perfectly and was knocked out and had a concussion. Well, a few weeks after that, he started losing feeling and he couldn't move on his left side. And we knew something was going on, you know, get to the doctors, get to the hospital, something's going on. They immediately found out they'd had a brain bleed and hadn't known about it. And they went in immediately. Jody was driving up to the hospital to be with her parents. And after, uh, I think it was either three or four surgeries later in the local hospital and then going up to Chicago to be one of the best hospitals. And there were weeks where we, he couldn't even respond. He did, had no memory. He couldn't even talk. He didn't even recognize his family. And we, we lived through this for these several weeks of anguish, of not knowing if her dad would ever return to the person that we knew not even recognizing his own children or his own wife. Those are some pretty tough weeks. Being four hours, four and a half hours away from a parent that is in dire situation. There were times where we didn't know if he was going to make it through the next surgery or the night. And after a couple weeks, and I know Jody could testify to, after a couple weeks of worrying and being anxious and wondering what we could do and all the emotions and all the feelings, which are all normal, are all part of it. I remember specifically having a conversation in the car right out here on Independent Station. We had a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. God, we want you to heal her dad. But even if you don't, Help us to trust you. I would love to tell you at that moment, the lights went on and he woke up and it was still weeks and months of not knowing. But I can tell you what happened. God gave us a peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Because there, there is this attitude of the heart that I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to trust what I can't see, but I am going to trust the one who can. You can guarantee your faith will be tested. But here's the good news. Here's the promise this morning. Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, do not be afraid. What are we afraid of? For I have ransomed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. And when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know what this does? Testing, you're going to be tested. Testing will show your faith is going to be genuine or not. When standing 
in the middle of the circumstance that you're going through right now, testing will show if your faith is genuine or not. And guess what? It's going to show everybody else whether your faith is genuine or not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had this childlike, genuine faith. Man, yet, of course we want God to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to trust God. What the world needs, what your friendships needs, what your family needs, they need to see people who are genuine in their faith, that not just say what they believe, but actually live it out. Here's the best part, and this happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When standing in the fire, your faith will reveal Christ to the world. This is the best part. Nebuchadnezzar, like he's looking back thinking, good, I'm trying to, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And all of a sudden, he looks at all of his advisors and said, I thought we threw three people in the fire. And they were bound. And now they're walking around and there's a fourth one. I think all of us would be a little bit perplexed, right? Guess what happens when you walk through the fire? Christ is right there with you. Guess who shows up? Guess who people see when you go through the fire? Not yourself. They see Christ in you. I've seen Christ in you because some of us, we've walked through some pretty difficult situations together. And I I will go home and I I will talk to my wife. I know that there is a God. Because of the way that I see them living out their faith going through this situation. I don't see them. There's no way they can handle what they should be handling right now. But I see Christ living through them. In your testimony, when we go through the fire, when we go through the trials, God refines us. Not only refines us, but he shows up and he's revealed through you. I read this this week and thought, man, no truer words have ever been spoken, at least for my life. I don't know if that's true for yours. But it says this, God reveals his power in many places, and we've seen it, you've seen it, but you'll know his presence best in the fire. And those who have walked through dark times, you can say amen to that. Because in the darkest moments of your life is when you have felt the presence of God more real to you than you ever have felt in your life. In that car ride on Independence Station Road, you know when I felt the you know when I felt the presence of Christ more than I've ever felt it before in my life is when we thought we were getting ready to lose someone that we love the most. God reveals his power in many places, but you'll know his presence best while walking through the fire. It doesn't make sense. And for some of you, and your faith is being tested right now. I mean, you've walked into this place wondering if God is walking through the fire with you. I mean, some of you are walking and say, yeah, you read that scripture about the waters will not overtake you. And you feel like you're, I mean, you, you can't, you're paddling as hard as you can to stay above water. And that's real. Daniel teaches us today, we have a decision We have a decision in our faith journey. God, I want you to show up this way. I would love for you to take this trial away from me. I would love for you to take this situation and and remove it. I would love for you to heal my body, my marriage, my relationship with my kids. I would love for you to do all these things. 
even if you don't. I want a faith that has been tested and genuine that is going through the fire. Because even if you don't remove the fire from my life, I know that you will walk with me through it. You promise you would. So we have a decision today in our relationship with Christ. We have a decision. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. What does that look like for you? I trust that God can do what he says, but when I'm going through it, I, Dave, I need to be reminded that there's another one in the fire with me. Dave, I'm going through it right now, and it feels like I'm bound up, and the walls are closing in, and the heat is starting to, to, to grow hotter and hotter. I need to be reminded today that there's another one walking with me. Can I remind you, there is someone walking with you. The same God who walked with Daniel and was in the fire with those three Hebrew boys. You know what the good news is? He's the same God who's here today. Who desires to walk, maybe not take the situation away from you, but he desires to walk with you through it. God, I hear my prayers. This is my desire. But even if you don't, I want a faith that is genuine and authentic that follows after your heart. God, we love you today. And we know in a room this size, there are those who have come in with very heavy hearts. and desire to feel your presence and have wondered if you have abandoned them. The good news is you haven't. So I pray in these next moments that you would search our hearts. There may be some who would like to just come forward and pray and so that you can remind them that they are not alone. Some of us need to make the commitment that even if you don't work out the situation the way that we want you to work it out, we're still going to trust you. You know what is best for us, God. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be honest with ourselves this morning. These altars are open if you need to pray this morning.
today that nothing separates us from you. There's nothing that is in between us today, that you are side by side walking with whatever we are going through today. And so we affirm our decision. We affirm our decision to follow after you, that we are going to follow after you hard. That we are going to say yes, even when we don't know what's around the next corner. Even when we cannot see it, even when our faith is tested, we are going to trust you. Our world needs to see people who live out their faith in an authentic way, not dependent on their circumstances, but dependent on who you say that we are. So there is another in the fire with us today. Thank you that you do not leave us alone. I pray others will be drawn to you because they have seen you in us. Not only in the good times, but when we are going through the hardest situations of our life. I pray people would not see us, they would see you. Our relationship isn't dependent with you about how things are going, whether they're going great or going bad. We know that you are with us. Thanks for not giving up on us. Thanks for pursuing us. And it is good to be in your presence today knowing that you are walking in and among and through us. I pray this song would repeat in our head over and over and over this week. Thanks for meeting us here today. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been good to be in God's house today, hasn't it? I pray that you will take his spirit with you. Before you head out today, just a few uh, closing announcements. We're, there's a lot of great things that are happening around here. One of the things that we love and celebrate in a great way is baptism. We do that on Easter in both services. If you are wanting to be baptized, if you've never been baptized, or maybe you were baptized a while ago or as a child, as a teen, but now your faith has taken on different shape and you want to let people know who, whose you are, and, uh, and want to signify that by baptism, uh, man, just come and see us, talk to us, sign up. We, one of our staff will talk to you, or I will talk to you. We have a class that's going to be offered at the end of this month. Also, we have a membership class coming in April. Many of you, uh, a lot of newer faces around, and so we do have membership. You do not have to be a member of this church to uh, be a part of this church and to serve in this church, but we do have membership and uh, just a way to say, you know what, I feel like this is our place, this is our home, we're putting down roots, and this is where we want to be. And there are some uh, things afforded to members, and we can go through all that in a class. Or if you don't want to be a part of a class, see me one-on-one, -on -one, and I can talk to you about that. Also, at the end of this month, I, I hope you know that when you show up on a Sunday, it just doesn't happen. We have people serving all over the place in ministry. And so uh, we've been highlighting different ministries. And on the, the last Saturday of this month, we are having a ministry training day. So if you're interested in any of the ministries that you see going on here, this day is for people who already serve and people who are wanting to serve and just know more about what we have to offer. And we would love for you to be a part of our team that reaches out to our community and, and creates 
this atmosphere on a Sunday morning to invite people. We want to create a place where you want to invite your family and friends to come to church to. And so if you want to be a part of that, come on that Saturday. There is child care, and it's going to be a great day from 9 to 12. We, we work really hard not to waste your time. And so our goal is as you leave that on Saturday that you would say, you know what? They, they, they were true. They, this was very informative, and I feel like I know where I need to go and stuff. And so if that's part of you, uh, we want you to be a part of that as well. Uh, there's other things in the life of the church that sometimes are a little bit harder than others, but I do have a letter that I received this week from our youth pastor, Reverend Sarah Morey, and I uh, just wanted to read that to you. It says this, Dear Pastor Dave and leadership team and congregation, this letter is meant to serve as an official notice of my resignation as youth pastor of Generations Church, effective March 1st, 2020. Though this has been an arduous decision to announce, I believe what God has planned for my family and the church is mutually beneficial. I believe that my family is being called into a new area of ministry, and we are currently unable to announce the nature of this next chapter of our lives, but we look forward to sharing this news with everyone once we are permitted. The last five years have been an integral time in my life and in my vocational call to ministry. I'm forever grateful that the Generations community has been a part of my story. It has truly been a remarkable and deeply significant chapter, and my love for the people of Generations Church remains vibrant and full. Once again, thank you for the opportunity to serve at such a remarkable church. And so these are never easy, but you did hear in that that she's in the process. They cannot share what that next step is in the new ministry that they are pursuing. So I, I talked to them, and I said, you know what, let me share with them. That means don't ask, hey, what's next? Where are you guys going? Where are you moving? Because they can't share yet, okay? And that puts everybody in an awkward situation, and we don't want awkwardness here. The good thing is they have a few months uh, before this, these new doors possibly open up, and so they're going to be a part of us. So we don't want it to be weird and awkward, and they're going to be in and out. And, um, but we do want you to know next Sunday night, March 15th, we are going, we're not going to have a goodbye thing, but we're going to have a celebration of Pastor Sarah and Shay and uh, little Henry, and uh, we're inviting the whole church to come to be a part of that, so you can say your thank yous and what the, the Maury's mean to you, and I know that you'll want to do that. More information will go about this week. We're getting together with the parents and the youth tonight to help plan that out, and it's going to be a great time, and so we want you to be a part of that. So instead of asking, hey, can you give me a little inside scoop? They said that they would tell us when then they can tell us, so just leave it at that. Well, that would... would don't be nosy, okay? Um, the best way to do is just go up and hug them and love them and say thank you for everything that you've done for our church, and then they'll let us know when, when they can. And so uh, we do thank Sarah and Shay for their life of service here to our church, five years. That's a, that's a pretty good stint for a staff person at a church, and we thank them for all that they've done and the foundations they've built for our, our student ministry here. So uh, may you go this week. You will be tested maybe even this afternoon. But may our, our tests prove that there is one who walks with us, knowing that he walks in the fire with us. And may our faith be genuine this week. May it be authentic. And may others see Christ in us, that there's someone else doing this journey with us, not just by ourselves. You're dismissed. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.